This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a mini pre-match edition ahead of Cheltenham on Monday. It's like you've got a big, massive, giant Easter egg, Seb, and this is like a few mini eggs just to complement it, isn't it? Seb Brown's here to talk Cheltenham with me. How you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Yes, this is this is the cream, the mini cream egg next to the the massive normal Easter egg on Easter Sunday. So happy yeah. Easter to everyone watching and listening. Yeah, stuff your face is full of Easter egg. Why not? It's the time of year for it. Enjoy a roast and do traditional Sunday things like wash the cars and yeah, that kind of stuff. Exactly right. Ahead of football on Monday, the we've already confirmed a few weeks back it's the run-in. Mm. Is this the is this kind of the business end? I don't know. We've only kind of got a couple more games into it, isn't it? But Easter run, no, always run. the couple of games across Easter makes builds the pressure a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, running, I think I'll class it still as the running and then the Peterborough weekend, I think will become the business end when you've got, was go. it Peterborough, Barnsley, Exeter, Fleetwood, four to go. So until, until then, I'll still class this, this as the running and the games that come immediately after this one with, with um, next week against Charlton and Port Vale. Official confirmation provided by Seb Brown there, everyone. Let's jump straight into business with Cheltenham then. Seb, give us the, the rundown on where they stand up at the league table up at the same time so if I can see that. But yeah, tell us all about them. Doing okay, aren't they? They're currently 16th in the league, uh, 112, drawn nine, lost 19 games so far this season. They're on 45 points, so I guess we'll debate, are they still in and around the relegation scrap? Also, if you look at that league table you've got on the screen there, they are seven points out of it, uh, albeit that Accrington have a, a game in hand, as do as do Cambridge. Um, so they're doing okay, I think. They're tied on 45 points with a couple of other teams. Port Vale, who are looking like they're in a little bit of trouble with their, the way they're kind of tumbling down the league, and Burton um, are there with them as well. The last six form is pretty decent to be fair they lost the last one but before that it was three draws and two wins so they're by no means coming into this in a bad run of form and although they lost the the last one out you know we should we should take them very very seriously because I don't think this is going to be that much of a a straightforward game I think we'll win I think we're you know rightly so we're favorites given the form we're in um but I was there last season very early on in the game changer slash Paul Cook kind of era and I remember the 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 horror show that night so I don't think this is going to be as straightforward as people maybe do think yeah, they've got a little bit of a hoodoo over us, but different team now, Seb, aren't we've we? Never, so. We've never beaten them, have we, at this level? So we had the loss no. and draw last year, and then obviously we had the uh, the frustrating draw in November, which we'll talk about in a second. So in the four games, the three games, sorry, we've played them since we, we, we came back down, we, we haven't actually beaten them yet. Worth noting, I mean, the goal difference isn't particularly exciting or impressive, is it? 34 goals scored, 51 goals against, that's negative 17 goal difference there, and you know, you mentioned that last six form. It's the 11th best in the league, so pretty good. But home record's pretty strong as well. But last six, I'm 15th in the form table for home games alone. Um, only one defeat in there, though, Seb. But they just, 
it looks to me that they they're very heavily reliant on Alfie May's goal output. We'll talk more about him shortly, but there's these these. It's the lack of goals for that's probably keeping them down in the lower reaches of the League One table. But actually, the defensive record is what's keeping them away from the bottom four. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, they're probably where they kind of expect to be, you know, with the budget they've got and obviously coming up from League Two for the start of, of, of last season, 2021-2022. All they would have probably, you know, wanted is to kind of finish above the League One relegation zone. They did well last season, done well so far this season. And I think if they can kind of finish where they are there or thereabouts and kind of maintain that five, six point gap over the bottom four, they'll, they'll class that as a pretty successful season, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that they're one of the form teams in the, you know, the bottom ten or so, along with MK Dons and Burton. But yeah, you mentioned Port Vale there, Bristol Rovers, uh, inconsistent, but yeah, probably enough about them. I think I think they'll be okay. But yeah, they've got a goal scorer. We'll talk about Alfie mate. They've got a goal scorer, so they've got something that a lot of sides down there simply don't have. They've got someone that can deliver goals, and barring an injury to him, I think they'll be okay. I mean, you don't. You don't tend to get sides at the bottom who are side, you know, bottom after 40, 41 games, don't really put runs together to claw themselves back out of it. You know, I know they've got a couple of games in hand, the likes of Accrington and Cambridge do have a game in hand over them, but I can't see them making up seven points with what well, we've got, seven games to go at this stage of the season. So probably one, maybe two more, two more wins for them. I, I think that'd be fine. There you go. That's another clip for, for us to, to, to <laughs> register for Cheltenham fans. Uh, last time out, defeat at Lincoln. I mean, not a happy place for anyone to go really Lincoln, but didn't feel like they turned up, Seb, and the stats kind of confirmed that they probably didn't deserve much from the game. Yeah, 2-0 defeat. It was a double by by Ben House. 46% possession to, to Lincoln's 54. 14 shots each on target, so pretty even on the uh, on, on, on the shots ratio. Only created one big chance to Lincoln's two, uh, and their XG for Cheltenham was only 0.82. Lincoln's was 1.42. So, yeah, pretty a pretty routine win. Lincoln isn't an easy place to go, as we know. They, they've got a great record against, you know, the top sides, um, and also they do deliver against the bottom sides, which is where they are where they are in the league. So, it's a, yeah, they're not going into it on the, on, on the best run after yesterday. However, they're recent run before that is pretty decent so they should be kind of you know respected yeah lincoln are a little bit of a statistical anomaly aren't mm. they and well hopefully they've got Plymouth, wednesday can tell you about them we can tell yeah. you about them so yeah exactly and they yeah. they go to plymouth tomorrow don't they so we, we, this is going out on the sunday the, the monday game is lincoln going to plymouth so hopefully they continue that anomaly and do us a favor fingers crossed Let's let's remind ourselves of the one-all draw from earlier in the season, which kind of ruined, soured the Blue Monday live event. <laughs> yeah, um, we had the... just a, another in terms of statistical anomalies. We talk about Lincoln, but bloody hell, talk to us about the stats in this one. This was a freak game, wasn't it? Yeah, we had the Blue Monday live event in the Sir Bobby Robson suite that night, and we kind of figured we'd go into it off the back of a, a you know a morale boosting win. I think Ben did a pre-record because he couldn't make it, saying yeah, we'll with you, yeah, we'll we'll have beaten uh, Cheltenham during the during the day. So have a great night tonight, and it didn't work out that way. We went one nil up, didn't we? Through Wolf and didn't relatively early from a, a Leaf Davis corner. Should have gone two nil up. I remember Harness hitting the bar, and it kind of bounced down nearest the line. But then Ryan Broom equalizes. Walton was on that kind of dodgy run of form. I, th- I remember thinking he should have done better with the effort. Is it kind of squirmed is it? underneath him. Sorry. Is this post chance Sorry. To uh, I think so. Yeah, I think. Or maybe that was the one after. I can't, I can't remember. Um, but he was going through a bit of a, a dodgy run of form and the kind of the shot squirmed underneath him. And then it was it was all us in the second half. We threw everything at them, including the proverbial kitchen sink. And we finished with 75% possession, 31 shots, 
Only four of them were on target. Cheltenham had four shots in total, only one on target, the one they scored from. And I think we summed up when it wasn't our day. Do you remember when Kamara hit the inside of the post in the 90-plus minute at the North Stand end? And nine times out of 10, it's going to hit the post and fly into the net and it just bounces straight back out again. And I think at that point, we all kind of knew it was one of those games where we all said afterwards we could be playing for another two hours and we still wouldn't have scored. So a frustrating game, but one the stats bore out that we should have won fairly, fairly comfortably. Are you feel with our January editions, we'd have we'd have strolled that, yeah. one, wouldn't we? But I think so, yeah. Anyway, and just to continue the misery in our recent history <laughs> against them, you were at Cheltenham early. Was it August last season? It was. I think it was game three. I think I'm sure it was. Um, yeah, Morecambe on the opening day, then away to Burton. I think it was game three, Cheltenham, and and yeah, we we started well, and we went one nil up. Matt Penny scored from the edge of the air with a with a great strike, and then McCauley Bon obviously had the the horror miss. I can't remember if that was before or after the goal, but he had the one where it kind of bounces over the keeper and all he's got to do is side foot it home and he kind of doesn't know whether he should head it or or side foot it and he ends up missing it and then we get through to half time fairly comfortably and in the second half god it was a, a barrage of long throws from Ben Tozer who's since gone to Wrexham and they they equalized through a second phase of playoff one of the long throws in the 62nd minute Callum Wright gets the equalizer when he was on loan from Leicester and they win it quite late on it was past 80 minutes 81 82 I think it was again a long throw again I remember people around me and me on the night were screaming just put it out for a corner because their corners were pretty ineffective but we were just obviously putting the ball out for for throw-ins and they were uh, they were taking full advantage they won it fairly late on and yeah we were still in that gel phase and Paul Cook did the thing at the end where he stands by the dugout and he shakes all the Cheltenham players hands but he ignores all our players and you kind of start to think right I wasn't entirely sure the season was going to start this way because I think at that point we had one point from the first three games and that point came with a 90th minute equaliser by Macaulay Bond on the opening day of the season so it was one of those where you kind of thought oh this isn't how I thought it was going to be and yeah we all know we all know what was to happen but a quick quiz question for you so obviously that was the third game of last season how many players do you reckon started that game that started yesterday oh that's a good shout so Walton would have been wouldn't have been in the team by that point would he Penny obviously wasn't in yeah Penny wasn't around I maybe Wolfenden's one Burns might be one Wolfenden's one Chaplin no just just Wolfenden and, and, and Cameron Burgess Wow. Cameron Burgess. Wow. That's a good, he's, we, he's I think it was his debut. Yeah, yeah, I think it was his debut. I think he was thrown straight in. It was because we had um, NCR, wasn't he? Was the, the partner for Wolfenden on the opening day. So I think Burgess was signed and pretty much thrown straight into the deep end. Danassian was uh, the right back. Obviously, he, he was on the bench yesterday. And Jackson came off the bench, who right. obviously was involved as well. So, but yeah, wow. it was a midfield of Raheem Harper and Lee Evans and. Yeah, Macaulay Bon and Joe Piggott were kind of the, the oh. front one and two. And Carl Edwards, I think it was his debut. He played the full 90. And yeah, just crazy the amount of turnover from not that long ago in reality. You know, you're talking, I know it's start of last season, but, you know, to, to, there's only been, what, three transfer windows since then and nearly an entire new 11. So, so much change. And we'd already yeah. demolished the previous squad, haven't we? Blimey, <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, I've got, I've got a, a quiz question to stand back on you then. We've mentioned their names already, but two, two of Ipswich's starting 11, as it is now, have had loan spells at Cheltenham. Can you name them? Not a clue. Um, of, of yesterday's starting 11? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Um, Good Friday. No, I, I, no, I have not got a clue. Well, but Burgess is one, ironically. 
Okay. Um, he made his debut there. And Wes Burns as well. I'm reliably informed by my mate, okay. John Palmer, um, works for Gloucestershire Online and uh, he's a Cheltenham blogger and author and so on. And yeah, he, he told me that. So I have to trust him on it. <laughs> I, I didn't bother to verify it, which is brilliant. I'm already second guessing myself, but yeah, there you go. We've, um, we've exchanged, we haven't exchanged Easter eggs. We've exchanged quiz questions and that's, <laughs> that's what it's really about. That's what the spirit of Easter is all about. Let's talk about <laughs> Wade Elliott's, uh, uh, doing really well, probably. I think a little bit under pressure, maybe, but uh, had a, had an excellent March, and um, thanks largely to Alfie May's form. But yeah, doing all right there, isn't he? He is, yeah. So he's been on the coaching staff since 2020, the summer of 2020, and obviously he replaced Michael Duff when he moved on to Barnsley last summer. So he was a first-team coach that kind of got promoted to the the full-time gig. He's best known for his playing days at all the bees. When I was doing the, the the brief bit of research I did for this, I must say thank you to you for all the the research this week. But his playing career was Bashley, Bournemouth, Burnley, Birmingham, and Bristol City. <laughs> Didn't play <laughs> for any other one. side, so he only played for sides that uh, that started with a B. And yeah, I think he's doing I think he's doing okay. Obviously, it's his first kind of full season as the, the full-time manager. He steered them to, you know, mid-table. We've just debated a few minutes ago, are they still going to get sucked back into it? But I don't think they will. And I think that's all they can really expect. And it seems to be a decent kind of season. They've got a goal scorer in the side. If they can hang on to him in the summer and look to look to go again, they can kind of, again, look to consolidate and kind of finish in that sort of, you know, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th position. Yeah, he was quite bullish in his post-match. Um, Definitely was not happy with the performance of Lincoln. I think he paid credit to Lincoln for stifling the life out of the game, I think was his words. But I think was asked about whether he's going to deploy the low block as he did at Portman Road and suggested that Cheltenham will try and try and win it. So yeah. he's feeling confident about that. Yeah. Um, and he's been particularly consistent with the three at the back choice, Seb, but maybe some variation around the midfield and the attacking situation. But it's, it's probably a two up front, is it? Yeah, three, four, one, two is the likelihood. So you've got the three at the back, two wing backs, two, a solid base in central midfield, a number 10, and then behind two kind of strikers. They kind of differentiate between that and a, and a three, four, two, one, where they have two tens and a sole striker, depending on, you know, availability and injuries and stuff. So that's the way that they'll, they'll most likely do it, two up front and the three at the back, which is, you know, like we say on this show before, the three at the back, it seems to be a, a system that the vast majority of sides in this league do kind of look to, to, to employ at the moment. Yeah, and that you've got the, the full back, uh, sorry, the wing backs, as you say, which leaves three central midfielders. And, and John was saying that they, it's essentially a tripod depending on the opposition. So it's either two sitters and one attacker, or you reverse it depending on the opposition. So I it presume for us, it'd, it'd be brave to play the, the, the more advanced one, wouldn't it? You'd go, I kind of stifle the midfield or have one slightly deeper to try and maybe pick up the runs that, that Chaplin makes and try and close out that space that Chaplin will find. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the key men then in that team. We've mentioned him so much already, Seb, for very good reasons because of his stats. Talk to us about Alfie May. Alfie May is the main guy. Isn't he older than I thought? Twenty nine years mm. old. For some reason in my head, he was 25, 26 years old, which may be why he's not kind of made a move last summer. He's the the League One uh, Player of the Month um, for the month just gone. Obviously, he scored fourteen goals so far this season. Also missed eleven big chances, so he could be higher in the goal scoring chart at uh, the goal scoring uh, rates as well. Eight of those goals have come at home. He's got three assists. Averages three shots per 90 minutes. Scored 23 goals last season as well in the league. So he's not a flash in the pan. You know, he's not a Joe Piggott or a uh, or a, a Stockton, for example. You know, he's someone who delivered last season and is doing the same this year. I'm sure everyone's seen his double 
at Peterborough. Would that have been two, three weeks ago now with that amazing effort from the from the halfway line? So he scores all different kind of goals. Been a non-league striker for the vast majority uh, of his of his career. Uh, we've got to move to Doncaster. Ten goals in 92 appearances for them before moving to Cheltenham in 2020. So yeah, he's uh, kind of always delivered wherever he's been and he's very much their main guy. I mean, you and Dave were talking about it last night on the, the post-match reaction show that he's responsible for over 40% of their goals. He's very much the main man and the guy they look to turn to to deliver. Yeah, worth noting, I mean, he wasn't massively prolific. 10 goals in 92 appearances for Doncaster, which you mentioned. They took the punt on him at non-league level. But the move to Cheltenham, it feels like a, a match made in heaven for him. 51 goals in 134 appearances, so slightly more than a goal every three matches. And definitely the main man this season, given the lack of goals elsewhere in the team. And yeah. worth noting that their second highest goal scorer is no longer at the club. It's kind of a Forest Green, Connor yeah. Wickham type situation, isn't it? We expect it to be Aidan Keener against, uh, alongside uh, Alfie May. But yeah, Dan and Lindell, who was, had four goals there before he was recalled by Southampton, is now at Bolton. So yeah. There are, yeah, there are. If if you keep Alfie May quiet, that might go a long way to keeping Cheltenham quiet, eh? But yeah, very much so. But, any but other, the oh, vast sorry. majority of sides have found this season that's very difficult to do. He's kind of a bit of a pest, isn't he? He kind of pops up everywhere, and he's one of those pesty kind of players. I'd probably liken him a bit to um, someone, obviously not the same level. Someone like you know Jamie Vardy, who's just constantly throughout the game, kind of going and stuff. And he's yeah, one of those kind of players in this league difficult to to stop. Yeah, probably. Uh, he's he's only five nine, so quite diminutive, mm-hmm. but he's quick pacey good on the ball and as you say kind of crops up in places that if defenders lose track um he'll he'll have a tap in because you've switched off so that's that's the kind of player he is so uh, and and if it isn't working if he's been stifled out of attempts within the six you know within the six yard 18 yard box he'll just ping one from 20 yards won't he so we'll have to be on our toes looking after him And, and in terms of other other players to Kind of key players, Liam Serkham, box to box midfield has got three assists, creates good number of chances. Um, Caleb Taylor's quite rated at centre back, twenty year old, um, involved in quite a lot of passing out from the back, but also gets involved with clearances as well, and good number of clean sheets as well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether you need a VPN to protect your world online, to allow you to change your worldwide location virtually, or maybe a bit of both, NordVPN gives you the freedom to do so. NordVPN also allows you to stream TV shows, films and even sporting events which aren't available in your local region, changing to a country which is showing that content, meaning you can switch as seamlessly as a Kira McKenna in-game tactical tweak with just one click. But that's not all. NordVPN can also look after you while online, preventing your card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, safeguarding your personal and sensitive information from harm. Think of it as a Cyber Sam Morsey, offering protection to your own personal back four but with far fewer yellow cards. 
NordVPN is available for the price of a cup of Bovril per month and one account can be used across six different devices. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast description for more information about the offer and a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee trial period. You'll also be helping out the pod by subscribing. Seb. Yeah, Luke start? Southwood is the, is, is the keeper. He's kept 15 clean sheets overall, um, and he's one of those stats where he's prevented four goals more, uh, less, sorry, more than he you know than should have been scored. We always talk about Cooper being top of those lists, and maybe Walton should be a little bit further up. So he's a, he's a decent keeper, but 15 clean sheets does stand out because traditionally sides, you know, towards that side of the, uh, that, that end of the table don't keep that many clean sheets. That's, that's pretty decent. I thought. Yeah, and 10 clean sheets kept at home as well. It's fourth best in the division. So that's something that they are excelling in. And it will be an interesting test to see how we get on. I'm sure there are people out there, Seb, asking about Elkham Baggett. Um, his, his, his appearances have been limited for one thing or another. One one appearance so far, been on yeah. international duty. International duty, yeah. But... I think players are coming back from injury and diminishing his opportunities there. Do you think, so. do you think he should have stayed at Gillingham? Or I think he'd made yeah. 17 starts 19 appearances at Gillingham in League Two do you think maybe with hindsight we should have left him there to you know play 30 35 games this season I don't know I, I think on paper it makes sense to bring him up a level if he can play but on the basis that he plays and I think yeah it's kind of like I mean our, our knowledge of arranging loan deals is limited to what we do on football, football manager right <laughs> yeah but you kind of make your spec you specify that he's going to start a certain number of games or you pay us extra kind of thing. And maybe that's the situation there, but Gillingham's resurgence coincided with Baggett leaving, wasn't it? True. So it's, it's, yeah, true. Yeah. Well, they, they invested heavily, didn't they? They invested in, in, in Gillingham invested in January. So I guess maybe he found it a bit difficult. I don't know. I just, I think the best thing for these young players development is game time. So I think if he'd given me the choice to said he'll go to Cheltenham, I guess we obviously they, they, they wouldn't have expected him to have only started one game. That wouldn't have been on the cards during the negotiation period. And he still played football for Indonesia. So, you know, he has played some in the last kind of three, four months or so, but maybe if they're, you know, looking back, maybe 30 games at league two level, would have been better for his development. It'd be interesting one next year what we we do with him. I guess presumably another loan, maybe to a League One side where he is going to get you know more opportunities and more game time, maybe 25, 30 appearances, which will aid his development. Because he signed a is it three year deal, wasn't it, before he went That's to Gillingham so. last summer? So he's clearly one there, you know, one they've, they've got the arm for the future. So be interesting to see what happens when he comes back in the summer. Same with Corey and Darbo. What would you do with Corey and Darbo? I think he'll be sold, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I think he'll be... Because he's not... Baggett's, what, uh, 19, 20, isn't he? Whereas in Darbo, must be now 22. 22 yeah, because Lambert was going to give him a debut in the relegation season, wasn't he? So I think mm. he was 18 back then. And he's kind of, yeah, a few loans out that haven't really worked out that much. So I think in Darbo's one, he'll probably move on in the summer because, you know, we've, we've moved on as a club. Fair enough. Uh, our mate John, um, as we mentioned before, at John Palmer Sport, by the way, if you want to give him a follow, excellent, um, very knowledgeable guy um, ahead of the game on Monday. He's, he's given some heads up on possible rotations or players returning from injury. Elliot Bonds might come into the midfield. We talked about this kind of configuration, the tripod configuration. So Elliot Bonds might be an option there, possibly also Taylor Perry, who's maybe more of an attacking midfielder. He's been out with, with illness, so he's expected to possibly feature maybe from the bench. Ryan Jackson's got quite a few assists, but it's missed games since the Sheffield Wednesday draw. Uh, Ryan Broom, who's a familiar name, scored the goal, obviously, at Portland Goal scorer, Rose. yeah. He's been filling in. And he also mentions that um, Will Ferry is likely to return at left wing back. Uh, ben Williams um, featured it against Lincoln. So there's some names to look out for as well. Do you want to talk us through some stats? I, I'm happy to chip in on the XG stuff, but everything I think is self-explanatory, I think. 
Yeah, so they've scored 19 goals at home, which is 21st in the league, so not amazing. Four of those have come from set pieces, which again is 19th. So yeah, the, the, the stats are kind of slightly below their, their their league position so far. They take average sort of 13 to 14 shots per game, which is mid-table. That's 10th. That's, that's pretty decent. Shots on target is just over three per game, which again is 21st. So they have a fair few number of shots, but they're not necessarily the most kind of accurate with them. Possession-wise, 46.5 possession is the average, which is 19th. Again, just below where they currently sit in the table. And they've got 73% short passes per game. So it's not going to be a side that looks to... Yeah, I I picked that one out. Sorry to jump in, because... I guess people would look at 46.5% possession and historically we'd say, well, well they're a long ball team. They, they, hoof go, it, yeah. they go direct. But actually the fact that 73% of their passes per home game are short suggests that maybe they counterattack said maybe more than go direct. I mean, you're obviously Or maybe gonna... they just knock it around the back four like we used well, to do under Lambert. Exactly right. Maybe that, maybe yeah. the, and, and patiently try to find the opening to pass yeah. the ball to Alfie May, perhaps. But yeah. I did find that interesting, only 73%. But yeah, it's a fair point about Lambert Ball. I thought you were quite gracious about their goals for and um, set-piece goal stats. 21st is pretty crap, isn't it, when you think about it? Well, it's it. below where they are, but it's not the worst. Yeah, it's... Well, yeah, there's only three teams that are worse than them on, <laughs> in terms of goals for. Uh, and worth noting, you know, the XG, their expected goals is 1.3 goals per game, and they're currently scoring 0.95 goals per game. So... They are maybe a little bit profligate. We mentioned the 11 chances missed by Alfie May, and even then he's yeah. got 14 goals. Yeah, It might be that the chances are being squandered somewhat because of the lack of quality or strength in depth behind Alfie May. Um, goals against low, we talked about that at the start. That's much better Decent. situation yeah. than the goals for. Yeah, 23 conceded at the completely Suzuki Stadium or whatever it is called, which is 13th in the league. So that's that's pretty strong. 10 clean sheets, like we mentioned, for the keeper is the fourth best in the league. So again, that's good. Um, and we're just worth going back. I've said a minute ago, maybe their stat padding with passing it around the back, but their pass completion is only 63.2, which is 20th. So maybe that's not the case because you'd have much higher pass completion success if you were knocking it around the back sort of man-to-man. So maybe that's not the case. They just stat pad. Yeah, and... Uh... XGA 1.28 expected goals against that is sorry versus 1.15 goals per game uh, per game against so you know they're conceding the number of goals you'd expect them to concede generally speaking from the quality of chances they they give up they they concede goals from set pieces you know you mentioned 23 goals against but six of those have come from set pieces it's a particular strength of ours isn't it and they've conceded a couple of penalties as well they get the tackles in said, but they don't get the interceptions in. What's your conclusion maybe from that? Yeah, tackles per game is 16.5, which is the fifth best, but interceptions is only eight, eight so that's 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 19th. So yeah, maybe a side that doesn't necessarily maybe read the game amazingly and then has to kind of react to, to missed chances yeah. and throw a tackle in rather than you know have the foresight to step in and kind of cut out a ball. Per, fouls per game, they're not overly streetwise, 9.2, which is 23rd. Maybe that's an element they need to, an area they need to look to improve. You know, sometimes... In a game, you need to make those silly tactical fouls that you have to do sometimes to kind of you know preserve leads and stop counterattacks. They're they're not great at that. They're, they're very very poor. So maybe that's an area they need to look to to work on as well. And and a stat that I found: an un, unsuccessful touches per ninety, their fourth highest for those as well. So that kind of chimes in with the low possession and the lowish pass completion as well. So what do you, what do you class as an unsuccessful touch? A touch that you make that rebounds straight to an opposition player? Yeah. As in, okay. as in, you, you misplaced past. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Giving it sort of squandering possession. So there's right. quite a high proportion of those touches there. So 
again, that might work in our favour, particularly if we're going to... I thought the, the goals they conceded against Lincoln, to me... I'm trying to remember who who it was in recent weeks. We watched the highlights and defensively the positioning was, you know, Lincoln didn't have to work too hard to find the moves to get behind or to get around the Cheltenham back line. I guess that gave me some hope, Seb, along with some of these stats that if we're at it, and we'll talk about us in a second, there is opportunities to score here. I know that Cheltenham's record is pretty good. We've obviously talked about the unpleasant, an, an annoying history against them, hmm. but it's a different time, isn't it? Context yeah. is kind of a little bit key here, isn't it? Yeah, and we're flying. You know, if this is early on in the season or during that dodgy kind of run, sort of January, February time, then maybe it's a different kind of game. But we are absolutely flying at the moment, so we go there in full, full confidence. And yeah, they're they're a difficult side to score against at home. They've got a goal scorer in the side, but I, I would expect us to to win. I don't think it'll be as straightforward or as easy as some of the runs we had earlier on in this kind of uh, some of the games earlier on in this run against teams to, in in a similar position in the league, the likes of. Burton maybe and you know Morecambe and stuff on and Forest Green being slightly lower down I don't think it'll be that straightforward but given the form that we're in and the way everyone's playing I, I do expect us to win yeah final stat 44% of their attacks come down the right hand side which is not a surprise when I tell you that Alfie May's a right footer so there you go so things to look out for there Ryan Broom also making a contribution perhaps on that as well in terms of other games elsewhere in league one before we talk about us uh, any, anything you want to pick out there so obviously we know the, the usual three other teams that we should be worrying about and looking at but trying to give us your thoughts yes obviously Barnsley have got Shrewsbury I mean they've dropped off now with the defeat yesterday so I'm kind of it's it's, it's very much a top three for the top two back on for me I think personally you've got hopefully can Accrington go to Hillsborough and do us a favour mm. you know Wednesday's form's dropped off a cliff what is it four points from the last 18 available or something they've absolutely plummeted haven't they so Accrington is a big ask I think for them to go and do something there but I kind of you know I thought they would beat Oxford yesterday and I thought they would beat Lincoln the week before so they're they're just not at it at all at the moment obviously we've all seen the clips yesterday of Barry Bannon and is it Liam Palmer I think have a bit of a set two and a shoving match don't they in the area so it doesn't appear to be an overly happy camp at the moment Lincoln as we discussed earlier are going to home park to to try and stifle Plymouth's amazing home record hopefully they can do something for us Plymouth obviously with two latish goals yesterday that saw them go top of the table um but all we can do like we said previously is, is focus on ourselves you know what will be will be if we can put in decent performances, win our remaining games, and then then everything will be okay. Yeah, there you go. Another clip, everyone. <laughs> Worth noting, we talked about Shrewsbury, who were playoff hunting when they came to Portman Road. They, the, yeah, I mean, it's the, they they've are, lost 3-0 yesterday, 6-0 to Charlton the week yeah, before. Yeah, they are 21st in the form yeah. table right now. When, when, we did the, the, when we did the stats for that show only two weeks ago, you know, under Cottrell, they had some of the best defensive stats in the league. You know, they they very rarely conceded goals at all, but they've they've completely dropped off a cliff. So I always had Plymouth had Exeter, I think it's next weekend, and then Shrewsbury, I think the midweek we've got Port Vale. They were back to back games, and they're both away from Plymouth. And I kind of thought, oh, that might be the uh, the two games oh. where it turns. But Shrewsbury at the moment, uh, yeah, you can't rely on them for anything at the moment. So yeah, you can't. We, but Exeter have got Peterborough, and Exeter eighth in the form league. Exeter, yeah, but, really fascinating team, aren't they? Exeter, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see their contribution to the end of the season. And Peterborough flying, aren't they? So I, I think True. Peterborough will. I think they'll win that one. And if they finish sixth on this amazing run of form, I wouldn't like to be the side that finishes third and faces them in the playoffs. Uh, so that's the rest of League One. In terms of bits and pieces of information, we will be back Monday evening, eight pm, to talk live. 
through the game, uh, Cheltenham ITFC, and get your reaction, hopefully positivity, as we keep saying. Uh, so do join us then. And if you want to get involved in the discussion ahead of time, uh, our match day chat will open tomorrow, Sunday afternoon. So t- today at 5 p.m.-ish. Might be earlier if Seb's a bit excited as he was on Friday. Um, talk to us about Telegram very briefly, Seb. It's great. Come and get involved. Two-week free trial. You won't lose anything. You can pick up some exclusives uh, with Graham Mack from uh, BBC Radio Suffolk and uh, Andy Warren from the EATD and Ben did something with the Not The Top 20 guys as well. So there's a few exclusive interviews in there that you won't find anywhere else. Once the paywall kicks in, it's only a fiver a month. It's well worth it for that to come and have some reasoned debate amongst town fans. And yeah, the match day chat's the best one where it all kind of takes off the day before and we open it up on the evening before a match. And it was still going late last night on my drive back, which is brilliant. So yeah, great to uh, great great to get involved come and give it a go you won't lose anything um worth noting as well th- this podcast our usual three shows a week there's no change for that no need to get telegram to keep access to that that will continue to be free down the youtube down the podcast feed as well and all we ask for return apart from your interaction give us a shout in the comments leave us a review as well uh, tweet us maybe um and and let us know what you think uh, but a thumbs up and a subscribe is always very welcome as well so please do get involved that way and uh, we really appreciate the level of support we've had of late um numbers are, are increasing all the time the more people get involved in the debate as far as we're concerned the better so long may that continue let's talk about Ipswich then, Seb, let's talk about what Kieran McKenna might be thinking. The thoughts that I've had, I'll put them to you. Broadhead's had a bit of a kicking from opposition got, players for the last yeah. two matches. And is this might may this be a game where Freddie Ledapo's strengths may come into play, or is it am I barking up the wrong tree? Give us your thoughts. I'd go Hurst personally. Four in four, scores in runs. I thought he was brilliant yesterday. The way he leads the line was absolutely superb. Um, and like you guys pointed out, he didn't seem as knackered, did he, when he kind of went off? Mm. So maybe the you know the fitness is, is is telling and the run of games he's getting is really, really helping him. So I'd have him starting. I'd like to see a similar situation to yesterday, obviously, where you know it's pretty comfortable at 65, 70 minutes and we can just make a quadruple change and bring on, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that must really deflate opposition benches, mustn't it? If you look across and, you know, you've had Wes Burns running at you all game and suddenly Caden Jackson's going <laughs> yeah. to replace him. It must be soul destroying. So I'd like to see a similar kind of thing to that. Broadhead is the one. Yeah, Harness I thought looked okay yesterday when he came on. I've, I've, I have criticised him in the past about struggling to get up to the tempo when he comes off the bench in games, but I thought he looked okay yesterday. So he'd be the logical kind of replacement unless you're going to put Caden Jackson out on the uh, on our left to kind of stifle the attacking play that they like to do down the right-hand side. But for me, Hurst, I'd start Hurst up front and obviously the, the normal, the defence picks itself at the moment, as does the, the two in midfield. Chaplin has to start, you know, 18 league goals for the season. He'll get to 20, 22, whatever it is o- overall. And Burns is in immense form, isn't it? Five assists in, in five games, like you mentioned last night, is tied with Mo Salah from a few years ago so those two have to start for me and it's not that I know it seems strange doesn't it because it's Friday Monday but it's no different to a Saturday Tuesday game is it it's not like a quick turnaround I remember in the past I think we play on a Saturday then the Monday and just have Easter Sunday off so I think in the past the games have been a lot closer than they than they are this year so hopefully with the you know with the, the, the sports science and all the all the stuff behind the scenes the guys will be absolutely fine getting through oh, the game. and when you're winning you'll all want to play wouldn't you let's be honest they'll yeah. all want to play because you know winning breeds confidence and momentum and yeah if you're you know if you're in a rubbish run of form suddenly a knock becomes a little bit more serious and you think oh i'll just dip out of this one but the way we're playing everyone is going to want to be a part of it so yeah hopefully a, a, a professional job well done and we can make changes at 60 70 minutes with an eye on charlton the following week 
Hey, hey, I was very much enjoying you. Oh, the marvels of modern science, all the, <laughs> the special toys they've got, the cryo chambers and all that fun the stuff. The days of the yeah. magic sponge is long gone. Yeah, we'll do a, yeah, your fitness test running up the hallways and the, Can you touch the corridor right in, in the hotel. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Well, that, yeah, I, I concur with all of that. I, I wonder whether Davis might be rotated for Lee just for injuries and all I that was kind of stuff. But- I was surprised he played the 90 yesterday. Yeah. I thought they'd bring on Dynasty and shift Clark across when he got so comfortable. But yeah, whatever. I guess all the science and all the data must said he was absolutely fine. So that was that was great to see as well. Bloody science and data, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll wait and see. I'm sure, um, well, we'll, we'll find out first. You, you won't find out first because it will be on Twitter. But very shortly after it's posted on Twitter, it'll be in the match day chat. And we'll be t- dissecting that, I'm sure. But do join us 8pm Monday evening to go through the game. Dare I ask for a prediction, Seb? Uh, a narrow 1-0 win for Ipswich. Oh, I was going to go for that as well. So there you go. Well, it will match off. I'll change it. I'll go, I'll go 2-1 then. We can't have the same. Oh, I'll the go clean two. sheets run is I'll over, I'll go 2-1. Alfie yeah, May will score Alfie for them. And, yeah. yeah. 30-yard or something stupid like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly right. Good stuff. Thank you, Seb, for your insights as always. Thank you, everyone, for watching. As we mentioned, um, join us on Monday at 8pm. Do give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Do give us a pod review, subscribe, etc., etc. And hopefully see you over on the match day chat as well on Telegram. Seb, do you want the final word or is it mine? No, it's got to keep it going. It's you. Yeah, I do it for the. I did it for the start of the run, but since you've done it, we've gone up to a whole different level. So all on you. Thank you again, Seb. Thank you ever again, everyone, again for watching. And come on, you blues. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.